Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost Floors Church. And again, I'm Chris. I am the pastor here at Lost Floors Church. And last week, we started a new sermon series just entitled Abraham and Us. And we're basically going through the life of Abraham. Last week, we did a big overview of Abraham's life from his original calling by God for him to move to a new land all the way up to Isaac when his son is born and God asked him to sacrifice his son, which was a little bit uncomfortable, but in the end, he obviously didn't sacrifice Isaac. Uh, but in that, we learned something about God and Abraham and what they have is a, a covenant promise with each other. And, and so today, we are going to go back and we're going to look more in depth at what the covenant is and, and how that still impacts us today. And if you remember last week, we talked about how Adam and Eve, they sinned. And then from there, man just kind of progressively got worse and worse until Noah comes along. And, and then God basically starts over with Noah and his family. And God makes a covenant with Noah, a, a promise. And, and we have that even today, the rainbow. And, and then uh, man steadily gets worse. And then God again comes down and he picks Abraham, and he makes a covenant with Abraham. And so again, we have this, this picture, and you can find it all throughout the Bible, that, that man kind of messes things up, and God comes down and rescues them. Man messes it up, and God comes down and rescues them. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've all made messes in our life, and sometimes we make messes, and we try to fix it, we make a bigger mess, and, and we all have those stories, right? And, and and now we're going to look at, at somebody else's story thousands and thousands of years ago and see how God came down and he rescued mankind. And, and not only Abraham and his family and his descendants, but it comes all the way down to us today. I, I want to start today with reading to you the, the promise that God makes to Abraham. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, 2 through 4. It says, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. So again, he, God calls him to a new land and there he goes. He's heading off to this new land. And then in chapter 15, God makes a promise and a covenant with Abraham. And he says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I, I love those words today. As we go through this today and even at the end, I want us to remember that even today, God is our shield. He's our protector and he is our very great reward. And so when we start talking about the covenant, I want to define what a covenant is. And, and so a covenant, now first of all, this wasn't made up by Abraham or even by God. This was a common practice in this ancient uh, Middle Eastern time. But a covenant is this, an all-encompassing and irrevocable agreement between two parties. It's a contract. It's what we talk about being a contract today. Now, but the difference in a covenant is this, that there was a mutual understanding that the two parties would bind themselves together with specific obligations to fulfill on each side. They would literally 
release their own identity and, and they would have merged identities. So, so two become one. That, that's the idea of a covenant relationship. And again, Genesis 17, three through five, it says this. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. And then we skip ahead to verse 7. It says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. So you can see right off the bat in Genesis chapter 17 that God and Abram are merging they're merging their names together. And so they're, they're coming together with this merged identity. Now, now we're going to look at mainly today the blood covenant or the Abrahamic covenant. I, I like the Abrahamic. If you put an IC in something, it makes it sound very distinguished. And I was thinking we could actually call this era of Lost Floors Church the Pastor Chrisic era. Sounds pretty distinguished, even though it's not very distinguished, but that I see, I don't know. Anyway, Abrahamic covenant is what we're going to be looking at today, or the blood covenant, and we'll learn why it's called the blood covenant in just a little bit. So even before Abraham and God's covenant together, covenants were well known in the ancient Middle East. They were used by tribal leaders, by kings, by families, uh, by husbands and wives. It, the, the covenant ceremony or the, the covenant relationship was something that basically signified that now you are on the same team. Basically, two are becoming one. Now, the big difference, like a contract today, it's pretty important to sign a contract, but as we know with lawyers and all that stuff, contracts are not completely irrevocable. The covenant was irrevocable, and, and it, was, it was signed, and basically it was basically put till death do we. Part, right? And, and that ties into today's marriages. So the only thing we really have in our society today that we can compare to the covenant is our modern marriages. And, and you have things like the exchange of rings. You say, to death do us part. There's the feeding of the cake. You're, you're literally, the idea is you're ingesting each other. You change names. And so in the whole wedding ceremony, two are becoming one. And that is the gist of a covenant relationship. And in the ancient world, the covenant was a binding contract, right? And whenever they're ready to, to sign this contract in our world, we say, okay, get the lawyer and we'll get this signed. In their world, they said, get a heifer, <laughs> get, a, get a cow, right? We're going to kill the cow. The cow was kind of like signing the covenant. And, and I want to read to you from Genesis 15 where we find that. It says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Talking about the promised land. The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. In other words, he says, go get these animals. We're going to sign this contract. Go get a heifer. That's how you sign a covenant contract. And so now we're going to learn about this covenant today. And and I can say this, that once I kind of understood the covenant, it, it, it changed a lot of the things I read in the Bible because there's so much covenant language throughout 
God's word that we don't understand in our society. And so it's very important to understand this. So we're going to walk through the 10 steps of a blood covenant ceremony. So the covenant ceremony was a huge ordeal. And, and you had to have witnesses there, kind of like a wedding today. You had to have witnesses. And typically it was a, it was a, a big ceremony. There were lots of people there that were witnessing this, this ceremony together, this, this coming together of two parties, two families, two, two countries, two cities, two tribes, whatever it was. And, and so here I'm going to walk us through the 10 steps of the blood covenant ceremony. It begins with the exchange of robes. And so the, the two heads of the family would come out and they would take off their robes and they would give it to each other. And, and basically their robes were kind of their identity. They had certain colors or certain patterns to them and that's how people identified them. And so when you saw someone coming, you'd see their robe first off, first off and you'd go, oh, that's such and such. I can tell by his his robe. And so in this way, they're exchanging their identity. Then we have the exchange of belts. Their belts were much different than our belts today. Their belts held weapons. They held their money bags. They, they held all kinds of stuff. And their belts weren't necessarily there to, to hold up their pants. Their belts were there to hold all of their possessions, right? And so this idea of exchanging belts was they were exchanging their strength. All my strength is right here. My wealth is here. My weapons are here. So, so now what is mine is now yours. And what is yours is now mine. They are exchanging strength. And, and the next thing was literally exchanging the weapons. And so the weapons, by exchanging the weapons along with the belt, basically they were saying, your enemy is now my enemy. Your allies are now my allies. They are, again, they're merging into one. And so they do that through the exchange of weapons. Now things get a little bit more intense. Now comes the sacrifice. Step four is the sacrifice. And now you get the heifer. We want to make this legit, right? So we're going to go get the animal. And whatever the animal was, typically a heifer. It could be goats. Or it could be several animals. But they would take it and they would cut it in half. And they would lay it open like this. And so the blood... The blood covenant had to have blood. That is why it's called that. But, but the bloodshed, it literally made this irrevocable. In other words, because of this bloodshed, if you go back on this, you're going to lose your life. So it makes this, this irrevocable. It's the signature in front of the lawyers. This is the, the cutting in half of the animal, the sacrifice. And then from there, they did... The walk of death, step five. And so each of the covenant partners would then walk through the middle of the animals and they would walk through the blood. So the blood would be on their sandals and then they would get all mixed together and they would walk in kind of a figure eight through this blood and that was the walk of death, basically signifying that that death do us part, right? And, and so then from there, now they have to make a mark on their own bodies. And so that mark, you know, it could be a tattoo, but typically it was something that they cut. And so the most typical was that they would literally cut their wrists and the other partner would cut their wrists and then they would shake with their wrists together and they would grab each other's, each other's forearms and shake. And interestingly enough, that's where our handshake comes from today. It's a 
been passed down by thousands of years and just now it's a handshake, but that was a little bit more intense cutting your wrist. And then from there, because of the mark on their wrist, when they would see people, they would wave, kind of like we wave at people today. They would wave, but showing their mark. This is who I am. This is who my covenant partner is. And so, so that's the idea of the mark on the body. And then they would speak blessings and curses to each other. The basic gist of it was, if you do what this says, if you do right by me, great things are going to happen to you. You're, you're going to be blessed. But if you go back on this covenant, if you don't do what's right, you will be cursed. And not just cursed in this generation, but your descendants forever will be cursed. And so they're speaking these blessings and curses on each other. And then this whole party, this whole ceremony, then they sit down for their meal. They sit down for the covenant meal. Now, they would all sit down and, and share this meal, but before anyone ate, the two heads of the family or the heads of the tribe, whatever it was, they would start this whole ceremony and everyone would gather around it and they would feed each other. So they started by getting the food and they would feed each other. And this idea that they were literally ingesting each other. So, so this again, two are becoming one. This is right where the feeding of the cake comes from. At weddings, we feed each other the cake. It's a big joke now, right? We try to smear it on each other's face. But, but back then, this was, this was huge. You are now ingesting me. You are becoming part of me and I am becoming part of you. Two are becoming one. Now we go into the next phase. They have the meal, and now at the end of the meal, they exchange names. And, and basically, this is a little bit like the wedding ceremony again, except it goes both ways. And so basically, if my name's Chris Walton, and my the person I'm making a covenant relationship with is our worship pastor, Aaron Yoshida, I would then become Chris Yoshida Walton. Makes my name sound a lot cooler, huh? But then Aaron would become Aaron Walton Yoshida. Kind of makes his name more boring, right? But but that's what happens. And and so so basically you exchange names again. It's two becoming one. And now the tenth step of this is hands down the most difficult one. And it's pretty hard for us in our modern society to swallow this one. But the two the two heads of this family that are making this covenant together, they now, that to, to make this thing real, they exchange sons as part of this ceremony. And, and I'm not just saying it's a ceremonial thing. It, literally, the oldest son would go live with the other family. And that sounds painful, right? Uh, that sounds difficult, but that's what they did. Again, th this whole thing was a merging of identities, a merging of families, a merging of, of tribes, a, a merging of two becoming one. Now that we've walked through the 10 steps of the blood covenant, I want to talk about the Abrahamic covenant, the one between God and Abraham that we find in Genesis. And, and if you remember, God promises Abram the, the promised land, and he promises him protection, kind of like the exchanging of robes, the exchanging of, of weapons, all that stuff. I'm, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you protection. And he literally changes Abram's name to Abraham. He changes Sarah's 
or Sarai to Sarah. And basically what he's doing is he's taking the word, the name for God, which was A-H, and he would put that in the middle of their names. And so Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. They had this covenant relationship with God himself. And then if you remember, the pretty painful thing for 99-year-old Abraham, he had to get circumcised. And his whole, all the males in his family had to get circumcised. That was the mark on the body. And that's why even in the New Testament, circumcision was, was a pretty big deal to the Jewish people because their whole lives they've been taught, this is our mark. This signifies that we are connected to God, that we have this covenant relationship with him. So that's the mark on the body. And then God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Now, I said last week, it almost seems like Abraham knew that it was coming. And I believe he did. If you look at the covenant, he has this covenant relationship. Abraham would have known about the exchange of sons. It's like he almost he almost knew that it was coming. How do you exchange a son with God? I sacrifice him to God. Now we know God didn't make him go through with this, but it was this foreshadowing of what God did for us with with Jesus. And, and so again, the the exchange of sons is the is basically what happened with Abraham and Isaac. And, and so here, God again, wants relationship with mankind, all the way back to Adam and Eve. And, and, and throughout the stories you can read through Genesis, God's always coming down. And he's trying to have relationship with us. But yet something even better was coming when we get to the New Testament. And so Jesus, he ushers in the new covenant. And if you don't understand the covenant, there's a lot of the things that Jesus did and said and things happened to him that you don't fully grasp. But, but when we look at the, the 10 steps, we think of the robes and the belts and the weapons. And, and here, when we have faith in Jesus, as we believe, we get this new identity. We have an identity in Jesus that God is our protector. He's our strength. He's our, our savior. And so we are one in Jesus when we become followers of him. And then we exchange names. As followers of Jesus, we become Christians, right? And he called himself the son of man, which that always confused me for the longest time. He was the son of God, but he called himself the son of man. And again, this is the exchanging of names. And then the covenant meal, we do it still today. It's communion. And Jesus enters in the, to the covenant meal with his disciples in the upper room, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, but communion, where we eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. That is the covenant meal. And then you have the sacrifice, the walk of death, the marks on the body, the exchange of sons. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. The walk of death was Jesus being beaten, walking his cross up to up the hill to be hung on it. The marks on the body are his hands and his feet. That's why those are so significant in the Christian faith. And the exchange of sons was God giving his son in exchange for us, you and I. It, you see, Jesus does it all in the new covenant. But we have this small role to, pay, to, to play in it that we just have faith in him. That's about all there is. It's a one-sided covenant that we get to participate in 
What's interesting is you can compare Isaac and Jesus throughout Scripture. And in and, and Genesis 22, 1 through 5, I just want to read it to you, and I want to point out to you all these comparisons between Isaac, the son of Abraham, and Jesus, the son of God. It, it says this, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Mor Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abram, Abraham told his servants, and the boy and I will travel a little farther, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. And so the land of Moriah is most likely, and most people actually believe it's the same place that Jesus was, was hung on the cross. It's Golgotha. And, and so it, it's either in the very same region or it's the very same place. And Isaac, it says he most likely he carried the wood because they left the servants there. Abraham's 99 years old. Most likely Isaac is carrying wood to sacrifice. Jesus carried his own cross up the hill. And Abraham, it was a three-day journey to get to the place. And the whole time Abraham was mourning the death of his son. It's like his son was dead to him for three days. Jesus stayed in the tomb for three days. And Abraham, uh, like God himself, did not withhold his one and only son. And you can see the foreshadowing in the story of Abraham taking Isaac to sacrifice him and in the story of Jesus, the life and the death of Jesus. And when you take all of that and then you, you go to where Jesus sits down with his disciples in the upper room the night before he is arrested, and you just imagine what he is feeling, what he is going through, because he knows what's coming. And here's what Matthew says in Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You see, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying here. Jesus is ushering in the new covenant. The new covenant, the more powerful covenant, the covenant that we get to participate in today. And just a reminder that the covenant, you remember, is this all-encompassing, irrevocable commitment. God to us and us to God. Obviously, we get the better end of that. We get everything that's God's. And God wants everything from us. And I just want to close with Genesis 15.1 just as a reminder of what God said to Abraham and continues to say to us today. It says, The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. And God is saying that to you today. I am your shield. I am your protection and your very great reward. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your promises 
thank you for your love and your power and your truth. And we pray this in your name. Amen.